Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Well, it's exciting because it's the first Sunday of the month, and if anyone's been here for more than a year, you'll know that on the first Sunday of every month, every year, sorry, we always get the visionary pastor up with his word for the year. So I'm just going to get the pastor up to share with us this morning. Give him a hand. Morning. I, before we really get going, I believe when Rod was sharing that God just dropped in my spirit when he talked about forgiveness. So crucial, so crucial that we live every day in forgiveness. People will always let you down. There will always be somebody queuing up to the, in the wings to let you down. There will always be somebody who maybe even unwillingly gets you in a place of offense. Uh, what you do in that place is the most important. And the thing to do is to get out there straight away. As soon as the door of offense presents itself to you, run, run, sprint. Because if you stay in that place for any amount of time, you totally, totally suppress and limit the effectiveness promises of God in your life. Jesus said it like this. Look at what, well, he gave the parable of the king and the servant, but if we look at what Jesus forgave us on the cross, every sin we've ever done, every sin we're going to enter into, the menial, the ones of great magnitude, he saved us of everything. He forgave us of everything so that we could enter into eternity, into his presence, into his glory. He did it all. So why do we hang on to these morsels of offense, roots of bitterness just coming up? Let's just take a moment right now because I believe there's anointing in this place for you to Forgive. If you need to forgive someone right now, this is not going to be everybody, but why don't we just take a moment right now and picture Christ on the cross, bearing the sins of all humanity, even the slightest of which would have prevented us from being with God forever. Even the hardest offense, even the greatest act of hurt that we have received is minuscule compared to what Christ has done. Lord, help us right now. Lord, help us to bring any offense or forgiveness to the cross right now. It's a, it's a choice of the will. And we choose your ways, not our wicked heart's ways. We bring it to you right now. And if we are tempted to come back to it, we will keep it there at the cross. Because we want you to deal 
with our adversaries. We want you to right the wrongs. We leave it in your capable hands in Jesus' name. Okay, we're going to go straight into the scripture so that I can uh, bring out what I feel God is saying to us, not just today, but for this year. We have a word for the year, as Kate has said, and over the last couple of years, I've thought, is, is, this, is this the way that you still want us to go, Lord? Is there a, another way of bringing focus and vision to the church? And I've kind of toyed with that, but I keep coming back to words. So I want to remain faithful to that. Maybe this is the last annual focus we have, and like I say, our focus comes in in a different angle. But I want to remain faithful, and I'm going to bring to you what I believe uh, I, which I brought to the SLT and we've all affirmed and, and we believe this is the word of God for us, particularly this year as a general focus. This is over and above our vision to plant churches, but all of our words tie into that and help us to see the goodness of God in our lives. If you've got your Bible and that's your custom, whether you're opening the pages or turning it on, we're going to go to Acts 3. If not, it's going to be on the screen behind me. We're going to read the first 11 verses of the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts in the New Testament. This is the account of the early church. We'll do a little bit of recap uh, once we've read this, perhaps, but let's get into this. So here we go. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. That, those verses might be familiar to you if you've been a Christian any length of time. Maybe they are new and fresh to you as a relatively young believer. I've always loved these verses. Uh, I, 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 I love the thought and the theology of, of first things in the Bible. And here we see the start of the church as we know it. It, we, we can read about all Acts 2 and the Holy Spirit coming and the church being birthed. But here we see, if you like, the nitty-gritty of the normal, of the routine, going to prayer, and then suddenly the supernatural kicking in. Not just with Jesus, because he was a God ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit had come to spread everywhere amongst the earth. But now the miracles weren't all down to Jesus, they were down to his disciples. That means they are down to you and me 
today. Can I hear an amen? So we're going to focus basically on a couple of verses. Um, I haven't got the, um, it doesn't matter, um, you can pull it up if you find it. I don't know which verse it is. It's going to be around six or seven, I, I, I should imagine. And it's, it's where the engagement happens. Peter and John looked him intently and Peter said, look at us. And here we go. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene, get up and walk. So the beggar who had been begging all his life was looking at the disciples, expecting, not just expecting, but eagerly expecting to receive something. And the inference here is money. It might have been food, whatever it is. But yet the disciples gave something greater. Gave the man healing. Supernatural healing. This wasn't a cast. This wasn't medication. This was instant, the Bible says, instant strengthening of bones, muscles, whatever went on. And he got up and walked. You see, the beggar was looking to man. The expectation of the beggar was focused on man's ability. But Peter and John, their expectation was from on high. One was natural, one was supernatural. There wasn't just a women of prayer, as we might say. There wasn't just some natural hope. There was a firm hope in Christ, in Peter's language, that this man was going to get up and he was going to walk. I don't know whether you've been in that situation. I'm sure the prayer team have as they go out. And we're not all Jesus, right? Not yet, but we're getting there. We're becoming like him. And you're praying for somebody maybe in a prayer meeting, whatever it may be. And you want to see, you desperately want to see maybe healing like in this instance. And so often, if you're like me, you can get in a place where you muster up courage or you it's almost like you're trying to say God 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 kind of you know please do something whatever whatever and you're trying to stir yourself up spiritual to get into some place where you can be like Peter but so often that is just looking into the natural realm just believing in what you see in the natural So I want to talk to you this morning about expectation. And we're going to look at this word in different ways, shapes and forms throughout the year. This is our word for the year, expectation. That's going to mean a lot of things for a lot of people, but the important thing is we get to a place of expectation. Not expectation in the natural, because we all expect things in the natural, you expect me to stand here for half an hour. Maybe some of you will expect it for 40 minutes, but we'll try and make that not happen. But you wouldn't expect me to just wander off and not come back. I'm so tempted just to do it, just to see how long it's, see how long it, but 
I want to use the time wisely. But, but you, you expect the chair to hold you up for the hour and a half, whatever you're sitting in there. You expect this, you expect that. And that's all well and good. That's part of life, as Kate says. But there's an expect, expectation that God wants us to have in the supernatural realm. I, I want to remind us all something very simple, simple this morning. That we are new creations. Those who are in Christ are new creations. We're not of this world. We're in this world. We need the chair to hold us up for 90 minutes. But there are greater expectations that God wants us to have. And that's the title of my sermon, even though it says expectations behind. If you're writing it down, it's this. Greater expectations. I'm calling us to a higher plane. I'm calling us to go beyond the natural into the supernatural. I'm calling us not just to look and see with our natural eyes, but as the scripture encourages to live by faith, not by sight. Live by faith, not by sight. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? Am I telling you to walk around with your eyes closed or blindfolded for the rest? No, I'm not saying that. We need to navigate this world. But we're not of this world. Our citizenship, the Bible says, is in heaven. We are new creations. The spirit of almighty God, the creator of the cosmos, is living in those who have confessed him by faith to be their Lord and Savior. We are, our lives are not our own anymore. We are different. That's what holy means, to be set apart, to be different. If your work colleagues don't see you as different and just know you're a Christian by label, if your family don't see a difference in you, if your sports mates don't see a difference in you, something is wrong. It doesn't mean you're not getting to heaven, but it means something is not like. It means that you haven't got great expectations. So what are your expectations? How do you live in the realm of the supernatural? What is it that we need to do? Because you might think, well, how do I get to that place like Peter where he just popped up there and there was an opportunity and he prayed and, well, he must have just been one of them super apostles and these things are here just for examples of how good God is. I don't believe just that. I believe that we can enter in and God wants us to enter in to those moments. This guy just got healed. God can use us to raise the dead. Now, we're hesitant to say yes. And a couple of us believe it. But I want us to get to all of us as a church, the place that this is possible. It's possible for God to use us to raise a dead person as much as it is to pray for somebody's backache. Because God's God. It's, it's no, it's, nothing's too hard for him. So how do we get to that place? I want to put it to you that the expectation, the great expectation that Peter had, yes, there was probably a moment of faith there, or maybe a gift of faith in an operation, but all of that didn't just happen by accident. It happened because he was a follower of Jesus Christ for three and a half 
years. He saw Jesus raise the dead. He saw, that must have been thousands upon thousands of people who came to Jesus for healing. He had lived that. Suddenly, Jesus had gone. The Holy Spirit had come. A whole new experience for the disciples. The life of God burning inside of them. And here was the first opportunity recorded that we see outside of Pentecost where the, the gifts of God, the Holy Spirit, the empowerment to walk and live and engage with the supernatural realm was available. And he took that opportunity. But it wasn't for Peter. It wasn't, oh, I need to stir myself up or please God if you will. It was a firm expectation based on the words and life of Jesus Christ, which are all intermingled. He is the word. Now, even in that, Peter had disowned Christ. He'd, it was almost like he was about to pass theological and practical and rabbi, you know, Bible school and tick all the boxes and it's almost like he threw it all away at last minute, but he didn't. He just missed the last hurdle. But yet Christ picked him up and said, oh, this is all part of the process. And he believed in him, he empowered him, and he instructed him. And he was the leader of the first church. And everything started to fit into place again. So we will make mistakes. We will feel like we're, we're, we're losing the anointing or we've let God down. That's all part of life, as Kate says. But God is saying, okay, we'll just use that as a learning experience. I'm still God. I still want to use you. I still want to see Great expectations in you that I can work through. God's ready to do so, so much. But are we ready to move? The way we get ready is, as Peter was, was to engage, was to understand. So, as I said, Jesus is the Word, and we have the Word, the Word's on the screen, the Word's in your Bible. We have the Word of God by Spirit living. We can read the Scriptures. We can see the promises of God. And what we need to do, we need to conceive. The Bible talks in the, in the Gospels, one of the parables. In, in fact, it's, it's self-appointed the most important of all parables, the parable of the sower where the farmer goes out and he throws seed onto the ground. There's four different types of soil ground. And it's making the point that God is the farmer. The seed is the word of God. And the soils are us, are our hearts. So we receive the word of God. The seed hits our hearts. But what do we do with it? That's of vital importance. Now, if Peter, when, the, when he saw the seed at work, when he saw Christ starting to heal, if he's like, well, okay, that was just a bit lucky, or I think that's just a bit weird, or I'm not quite sure what's going on here, uh, some, kind of, kind of, some kind of cult thing going on. No, he engaged with it. He saw it. He believed the power of God was working, and then the next day, and then the next day, and then the next day. He'd lived with this for three and a half years. The seed was nurtured. It was watered. His heart was, was manipulated so that the seed could keep going down, down, and down. 
When we're talking about expectancy this year, my heart's desire for us all, myself included at the front of the queue, I want us to be expecting. Like pregnant, expecting. When the word comes, you know, just like, just like that, that farmer God throws the seed out, and it might just be one seed that catches the right bit of soil at the right time. That's, that's all it takes. This is why I made the point last week, and I'll make it again as fervently as I can. We've got to be in a place where we are receiving seed. That's what devotion explosion is all about. That's what your times with God, your daily devotional time, putting God first, saying, I need you, Lord, and I want to I receive what you have for me because I want to be impregnated with the supernatural. The Bible is not just some Jordan Peterson great rules for living. It's how to live but make a difference in the spiritual realm not just in our own lives, but in the lives of those around us, as Kate said. Blessed to be a blessing. How do we engage with that? We need the seed. We need the seed of God's word. And even if he chucks and you read a thousand words in the morning and only one settles, just takes one to settle and nurture and you become impregnated with the word of God. But that's not just enough. That's a great start. But just like Peter, sometimes it takes time. For him, it was three and a half years before he saw himself actually doing. But here's the key. He saw it happening. He saw it happen. We need to see the promises of God happen. How can we do that? We can't do it with our natural eyes. What does Hebrews say? Hebrews says... Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses of the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily traps us, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We live by faith, not by sight. Now, faith, Hebrews again says, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You've got to be sure of what you do not see. How the heck does that happen? You've got to perceive it. Before you see it, you've got to perceive it. Remember, we're not of this world. We operate primarily, we should operate primarily by our sixth sense. That is faith. Perceiving the things in the spiritual realm. If God says it, see it. And as you see it, and you keep seeing it, until it becomes visible in the natural. That's how it works. You don't see you know, the baby in a natural pregnancy, you don't see it. You might see the start to see the effects of it, but you don't see it because it's happening internally. 
And so in the Spirit, you've got to, first of all, believe. And then you've got to use that faith to ignite into something that the Bible calls hope, which is a firm expectation that what God has announced and pronounced and proclaimed and promised will come to pass. Just because it's written as a promise in the Bible is no guarantee that you're going to see it happen. But if you take ownership and you get intimate with the Lord, and in those moments of intimacy, you meditate on his word, you nurture it, it becomes fertile and it starts to grow inside you. You see it, you live it as if it is already happened. You live it as if it could happen at any time. That's when the miracles happen. Not just, oh, it says it in my Bible, I believe God can do it. No, we've got to get to a place, church, where we know it will happen. That doesn't happen overnight. And if you're on the journey, I want to say, keep going. And if this is all new to you, I pray that this morning will be the incubation that we need to understand how God operates through his word. We could carry on doing the Rock Church as we're doing, and it's great, don't get me wrong. Uh, And we could carry on and we can bring some more souls into the kingdom just through our little part of the vineyard here. And I'm sure we'll get a well done, good and faithful servant generally at the end. But that's not what we're, that's just expectation. We're called to great expectation. This is not just about planting, get, getting some people together and, and ticking a box and saying, well, we've planted a church there. We've got 20 people um, in Ruddington maybe to start with and, and, you know, whatever that grows to. No, 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 no. No, we're called to great expectations. We don't want a, just a, a holy huddle. We want an explosion of Pentecostal power. We want to see lives change. We want to see the spirit move, not just us move. We want God's leading. We want times in our corporate worship, which we nearly got to this morning, where we lost and abandoned in worship, and we have the faith to say, God, just just do what you need to do. You can take control right now. We need moments where we just have something inside of us telling to go up and pray for somebody. We have an encouragement from even just somewhat of a natural encouragement from the pastor to go and break bread with someone. We need those times to be like everybody gets up the seat because everybody should be able to share something with somebody, even if it's a God bless you. We're not called just to be Ordinary church. I don't think any church is called to be ordinary church, going through the motions. Lord, forgive us. Because it's not just about, church is not just about addition in terms of salvation. We need multiplication. There's a world out there that don't know they're dying and going to hell. And here we are in a holy huddle. We can be, you know, we're trying to honor God and do our best. But I'm saying there's so much more we can do. But we're only going to do it when we nurture the seed, the Word of God. And to get the seed, we've got to be in the place where we receive it. I don't know whether anybody's ovulating right now in the spirit. (laughs) But we need to be. Ovulation in the natural happens once a month, right, ladies? Well, most of you ladies. I'm trying not to look at all the older ladies. But but in the spirit, no one grows old. God even trumped that with, with Abraham and Sarah, right? 
In the natural, right? No, no, well, we've gone past all that period, you know, the menopause. No, no, that's not possible. God even showed up there. But in the spirit, in the spirit, God wants us to constantly ovulate, the men as well. Constantly ovulate. Constantly be in a place where God's seed can come and impregnate us for something far beyond our expectation, far beyond what we could think, ask, or imagine, far beyond. This is what we're called to. And maybe the last 14 years have all been to try and get us to this point. 14 years, we're 13, 14 coming up. We're into our teenage years as a church. That means we're growing up probably going to be a little bit rebellious still and do some things that we need to ask forgiveness for as teenagers do but it's time for us to grow into greater expectations it's time for us as a teenager does to start to discover and try out things and be adventurous to start to put our trust you know that the, the worst thing that a teenager can do is to start to lose their childlikeness not their childishness, we should lose our childishness. But we lose our childishness. That sense of adventure. That sense of we, we can do anything. We can be anything. Well, listen. You can do anything that Christ compels you, instructs you, and empowers you to do. You are everything in Him. By yourself, you're nothing like me. By myself, I'm a zero. But with God, you can chuck a one there and as many noughts after as you want. It's like we can take the world on. Each and every one of us can take the world on. But it's even better when we do it together. It's quicker, it's easier. And I believe this is what God is calling us to this year. Not just to a little bit more of the same, but to enter into a new realm. Tomorrow is tomorrow. But tomorrow, make sure that you're doing everything you can to be spiritually ovulating, to be ready for God. To impregnate you with the word. And it just might be a a word of encouragement that you can still nurture, but it might be something significant. Even now as I'm speaking, God is gracious. I'm not with you in your quiet times tomorrow. But we're here now, and God is gracious, and he's graceful. And he wants us to have our own intimate times with him. But even now, I just sense that the Spirit wants to almost like deposit something in us, to show his favor and his grace. Maybe just with this word, maybe there's some expectations Maybe there's expectations that you've previously had. And it feels like you've miscarried. I want to say God's word, the Bible says it's incorruptible seed. You can't miscarry the word of God. You can put it to one side, you can delay it. And I believe there'll be a day where many people, as Christians, we, we, we won't be necessarily... It certainly won't be judged for it, because our judgments happened 2,000 years ago on the cross. But when we're judged for our works and rewarded for the believer's judgment, 
maybe there's going to be some regret where we've left the word. Well, here's an opportunity in God right now, I believe, just in the last few minutes that we've got, where maybe we can reignite, maybe we can bring back into remembrance the things that God has spoken over us. The things, the promises of the word. I'm sure we've all received words. Like I say, some of them are just everyday encouragements. Some are specific. Maybe it's to do with relationship. Maybe it's to do with a partner. Maybe it's to do with health. Maybe it's to do with vocation. Maybe it's to do with ministry. What is God calling us to? He's got works for all of us to do. And I want to tell you, there's some people in the room this morning, maybe online, within the sound of my voice on a recording, where God is bringing back to remembrance promises from the past. And he's saying it's time to re-engage. It's time to re-incubate. It's time to believe. Psalm 1, 1, 2 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. And what do they do? They meditate on it day and night. You've got to be fixated. Church, this is, this is my encouragement to you. To see great expectations, you've got to be fixated. You've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. You've got to stare at the promise. You've got to set your face like flint towards the promises of God. You've got to live and breathe the promises that you have on your life. And maybe even now, maybe tomorrow morning, maybe next week, I don't know, but God's going to drop something in you and he's going to want you to nurture it. He's going to want you to meditate on it. He's going to, just like Abraham, it took him like 25 years or something from the promise to the fulfillment. And he tried it his own way and he got Ishmael, but he, he stuck through in the end. A bit like Peter, he messed up, but the promise came. We're going to mess up church, we're human beings, but we've got to, not, we've got to keep that promise front of mind, focused on what it is that God's got for us to do. Some of you over, even, maybe even now, but over the next days, weeks, maybe months, he's going to call, because we've got a call on our life as a church to be all those things that I said at the beginning, not just to be ordinary church, to be a Pentecostal powered, spirit filled, dead raising, healing church, missional, evangelistic, all those things. We can't be everything that God has called us to be in our current state. And I'm putting myself front of the queue. We've got to grow. We've got to, we've got to trust God. We've got to grow in understanding how we engage with the promises. Our expectations have got to grow. I've got to become great to see the great things that God has got for us. He's done it all for us. We've just got to flow with him. Seriously, on one level, this is so easy. On another level, it just takes some determination. It takes some taking our eyes off the natural, keeping them fixed on the spiritual, habitually getting into that place. That's why we do Devotion Explosion. Start of the year to get us into a, a, a fresh new habit for those who need to. And if we're all in that, we don't have to be super apostles. We don't have to be this, that, or the other. We just have to be willing vessels for Christ to use us.
and for the promises of God to flow through us. I wonder if, if anybody's kind of up for that or do we just want to do we just want to kind of see how it goes? Why don't you stand to your feet with me if you're able? Right now, I just encourage you to be prayerful. Maybe closing your eyes is a good way. It's an old-fashioned way, but the idea is that you're not looking at the natural. and You're allowing the spiritual. You're not distracted. Heavenly Father, help us just in this moment. dream the impossible, to re-engage with the promises of old, to believe for something of the supernatural to take a hold of our natural, that you will be glorified, that your church will increase, that your kingdom will come, that lives will be saved, that hurts will be healed, disappointments will be dissolved. Lord, that your kingdom will come. This is not about you and me, church. This is about the kingdom. It involves you and me, individually and collectively, but this is about kingdom come. We were designed to do this together as one. This, that The church is God's plan A. This is it. This is it. There's, there's nothing, there's no other great plan. It's gonna, there's no addition. There's no 2.0 coming. This is it. You and me. And warts and all, they're all there. And our humanity means that, and our sinfulness means that we won't get it right all the time. But we are the bride of Christ. We are the head, not the tail. We have the spirit of the living God inside us, dead raising power already inside of us waiting to come out. We've got to nurture that. We've got to be fixated with that. We've got to believe that. We've got to pursue that. Even if it takes 26 years, we will see the promises come to fruition. If we keep meditating on his word if we daily have the discipline okay if we miss one it's not the end of the world but uh, that it is our custom and our practice to be with Christ to to have an opportunity where we can receive his word where we can thank him for all he's done in our lives where we can pray into what we've heard and pray for our brothers and sisters and do what he calls us to do so that when we enter into our worlds we're not entering it on the back of yesterday's humanity, we're, we're entering it on the basis of new life in Christ that we found when we asked Jesus into our lives. I don't know whether everybody in this room is at that place where they know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, but right at the beginning of this year, whether you're in the room, whether you're online, whether you're listening back, we need you. We, actually, God doesn't need you, but he kind of does as well, depending on what your theology is. But... God is calling you to be part of his kingdom. If there's anybody within the sound of my voice, I'm not, I, in fact, I'm not, not going to, on another occasion, I'll call you out and we'll celebrate whatever, but just make a firm commitment right now to live the life that God wants you to live. And you do that by somehow, it's a miracle, it's supernatural, but somehow something of the Spirit of God 
is resident in every human being. And within the sound of my voice right now, because I'm trying to speak the words of Christ, faith will rise up and something inside of you will say, I need to be part of this. And I want to tell you what it is. It's the life of Christ 2,000 years ago, which was sacrificed for you and for me on a cross so that our sins could be wiped clean, the slate wiped clean, so that we could then, on the basis of Christ's righteousness, walk with God. We have to understand that He died that he defeated all the works of the enemy, that he rose from the dead in power so that we too could raise from our dead, ordinary, natural lives into newness of life in great power and great glory to God. If that's you and you just want to make that decision in your heart, do it right now. Don't, Don't delay. Do it right now. Don't think about it. Don't Google it. Don't Google it. It won't happen. Just respond in your heart. And if you've done that, you need to go and tell somebody. If you're in the room now, speak to the person who brought you. Phone somebody you know is a Christian. We need you. God wants you. And we pray, Father, your kingdom come in 2024. We want to be dedicated to your word, to your promises. And we say, kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Amen.